Hi, welcome to the B Team. Welcome to the B Team podcast. I'm your host John Macy. Uh, today I am joined by Milos. Uh, hello, hello, hello. And we have a special guest today for uh, the latest episode of the TARDIS Chronicles, our semi-regular review series for Doctor Who. Uh, he is the technical director of the Mission Log podcast and co-host of the Genealogy podcast with Norman Lau, Mr. Earl Green. Say hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Um, so we, the three of us are here today to review the... Uh, 2023 Christmas special and the first official episode for the 15th Doctor Shudi Gatwa, The Church on Ruby Road. Um, this was, in America, this was obviously released on Disney Plus on December 25th. Um, and I don't know how... Oh, no, you you actually signed up for Disney Plus for this one, right, Milos? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I, so, uh, I, I gave yeah. Disney Plus money, so, you know, I might as well make it official. Yeah, yeah. So Earl, you and I know each other through the uh, the Mission Log Discord group, and um, you had I had been hitting that group for co-hosts, and you had expressed an interest in doing this one. I don't think we've ever discussed Doctor Who really. What what was your intro to that? I suppose would be my first question. That would go back to sometime in 1980. Um... And it, I just got this crash course in British TV. My my mother just introduced me to three things at the same time. And it, n- one of these things is not like the other. So at the age of eight, I was introduced to Monty Python's Flying Circus, The Benny Hill Show, and Doctor Who. Wow. Stuff. Okay. And... <laughs> It was an education. <laughs> and well, just I'd because so. I don't know the Yeah. Just because I don't know the exact timeline of the of prior to Christopher Eccleston, who was the doctor in nineteen eighty? <laughs> that would still have been Tom Baker, uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, although uh the in nineteen eighty the first one I remember seeing was I think part two of the brain of Morbius. And okay. I, re- I remember it that specifically because I think Elizabeth Sladen was my first celebrity crush. And, and that was kind of what kept me around for the show. I didn't really care about the dude with the scarf. You know, he was just there. <laughs> Priority. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, well, we might get into that a little bit with this one, too. Um, but, uh, okay. So... Earl, we kind of try in general terms to kind of go through the plot of every episode that we review. There are usually tons of digressions because I can't keep anything straight ever, but we we try. Um, And then we just kind of talk about general thoughts about anything that comes out of the usual million digressions we have during the plot run. Um, So, I mean, I guess we can start with the plot here. Uh, This basically picks up some... Indeterminate amount of, t- out of amount of time after the giggle, um, and you first see the new doctor popping out of the TARDIS in front of a church, and he just watches somebody drop a baby in front of a church door, and then we get to the present where 
Um, I actually had to look this up. I was not sure that Davina McCall was an actual person, so I had to go look that up. Um, so you see this uh, probably 20s-ish uh, British woman being interviewed by a person who is an actual celebrity, Davina McCall. I think she was the host of British Big Brother at one point from what I was able to find in my research before this. Um, she's being interviewed because... Uh, oh, the uh, the interview subject is Ruby Sunday, played by Millie Gibson. Um, and she's being interviewed because she's basically going on this Davina McCall show to do sort of like a genetic tracing thing because she doesn't know who her parents are or anything. And we'll talk about, you know, possible conjecture about that stuff, too, because I think that's going to be something that's going to run throughout this period of the show, probably. Um and you find that Ruby is kind of accident prone. She's just kind of dropping stuff everywhere. There's there's these weird little creatures kind of following her around that no one notices, moving shit around and doing all sorts of things. Um, she comes out of that that TV show thing and uh, goes to a club with some friends where uh, the new doctor happens to be there, and he just kind of has a short run-in with her and kind of asks, like, do you have, you know, are you always kind of this clumsy, dropping shit all the time? And she goes, eh, it just kind of started happening recently, and it's just coincidence. And he kind of goes, no, it's not just that, but whatever. Um, and then he just kind of disappears again. And then she gets into a cab with some friends, and uh, that big giant snowman thing starts to come apart, come away from a building. And was that supposed, was that intended to fall on her? I guess yep. that's what I kind of got. Yeah, okay. Yeah, or, or um, the cab or whatever. But yeah, it was supposed to fall her. Yeah. So the, the doctor intervenes there and, um, stops that from falling. Although it looked like there wasn't all that much weight to it anyway. So I'm not sure what that would have done. It looked like a parachute. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh so, those would generally okay. be heavier. Just to because of the wind and everything else, uh, I couldn't tell you so it exactly the material it would be made of. Yeah, but yeah, th there would be so some way to it. Otherwise, it. yeah, right. Why? How would it stay attached to a building without some degree of weight to it? Um, yeah. All right. So I w I got kind of confused by this plot a couple times because I just kept like. Like, bringing up the day a couple like, of times, and it was like always like a one or two day difference. And I'm trying to, I was constantly trying to figure out, okay, like where are we now? Uh, what's going on? Um, so then you you eventually meet um, Ruby's foster mother. You find out that she was adopted by, you know, and I don't want to say African American because she's British, but um, but a British woman who uh, makes a living out of fostering children, basically. And um, she Ruby was the first one that she full on adopted, and she just kind of stuck around and helped. Um, so they're getting another infant on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or whatever. I think this is supposed to be Christmas Day, right? Um, so then there's that, and um, she is left by the mother to kind of watch the kid while she goes out to buy stuff for the kid. And then these goblin things show up and abduct the kid while. He's on the phone with Davina McCall being told, oh, by the way, we found nothing in your 
in your genetic history. There's no record of your parents anywhere, uh, which just leads to my theories that we'll get into later. Um, and I'm sure you guys have some too. Um, so then as she's watching these weird little goblin things take this kid out of a, out of a skylight, she decides to just follow them. And uh, so the there's like a goblin airship which drops down a ladder that the goblins go up and start trying to, they, to use to try to take this kid. And Ruby just goes right up the ladder. And suddenly she's up on the roof of the buildings and the doctor shows up and basically says, what the hell are you doing? Like, who does this? Um, so, uh, they have a little, yep, they have a little interaction on the ladder, and one thing I will call out that I thought was hilarious, um, that we had, Milos and I, you and I had mentioned this during the reviews of the specials, apparently the Mavity thing is permanent now, like, that's just how that's going to be referred to now, forever, (laughs) um, because he made some sort of reference to the local Mavity field or whatever, and I went, oh, so they're going to keep doing that, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, okay. I just have to, this is going to be my first break. I just have to ask the class. Um, the minute he showed up and actually started doing stuff, I was sold. I mean, to me, Gatwa feels like he's been playing this role for five years already, and I was just immediately sold on him. Um, I don't know what it is, but I def I definitely had that feeling throughout it. He just seemed to have he had a degree of of immediate screen presence that I haven't seen since Matt Smith. I don't, you know, it just hit me right away. And I think, you know, as long as the writing is consistent, I think he's going to be great. Um, I was curious what you guys thought, Milos. Why don't you go? I said at the beginning, I think writing is going to be different. He's quality enough factor where he can actually pull it off. And it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, how soon, you know, do, do they have the whole, what's his essence of a doctor form from the beginning where he can just jump into it. Uh, I did mention in our yeah. little chat that I still don't need like that to go to just to get a feel. From what I, so I liked. Um, my one concern going into yeah. this is that he doesn't play the doctor. I, I didn't want him to play the doctor as gay. And okay. I was really wondering. I was really curious to see what they're going to do with it. And I still am. I have to ask, so, though, does that matter? I mean, just just because... Yes and I no. Mean, given that we've seen... Here's the thing. In, in, given in, that we've in, seen in multiple... In the big picture of things, it doesn't really matter. But how he plays them is important. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean... As in... Yeah, so far as I in if, if the doctor is gay, I don't mind. But he wouldn't be gay, he'd be bi. But outwardly, yeah, you know, mean, when, you that, see, you know you, when you see a person walking down the street and you just point at him and you can say, hey, that's a gay guy. I don't need yeah. that for that. Yeah, I don't think you'll get that. I think as far as what that... his orientation is, I generally don't mind. Like Jack Harkness never had that. Like you knew where he stood, but he never was outwardly from boy. You know? Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do yeah, naturally. So as long think... as it's natural, I'm seriously don't care. 
But yeah, they, I still they walk an episode walk or two. We just get line, I hang with, I guess. I think they walk a tight line with this just because it is still technically a children's show and how far do you want to go with any of that? Um, yeah. In the typical, another you concern know. Is, you know, at what point does Disney actually start pulling some strings and be like, this is how we want to do it? Well, they say so, they're not going to do that. BBC, yeah, I, I know, I know. They, they say, yeah. and Pope's Catholic yeah. and politicians uh, don't lie. So, you know. Yep. Earl, any thoughts on Godwin in general? I love him so far. I I didn't know really what to expect because, you know, I'd seen, I'd seen him in uh, Sex Education on Netflix. And so in, I knew what to expect from that character and just kind of what he looked like. But I think the key to it is he's really not written that differently from David Tennant's Doctor. And so it really is down to just his own natural charisma, his mannerisms, and how that all plays into it. In uh, yeah. interpreting those lines, yeah. he he's basically written as the same character. I think I don't think we have miscast the Doctor yet, not once in sixty years, not at all. I think where the side has been let down a bit is when producers, for whatever reason, you know, perhaps trying to show how clever they are, suddenly start writing the Doctor different. I think uh, Peter Capaldi suffered from that in particular because it's like they were making a big deal out of, you know, oh, oh, he's older now. And Matt Smith has to phone in permission for the audience to like the new guy. And I forgot about that. <laughs> wow. I, I, I thought yeah. that was one of the biggest insults to the audience's intelligence that Doctor Who has ever actually saddled us with was that phone call. I hated that. But mm, yeah. And you know, like Jody Whitaker's doctor, her first season was amazing. Especially after so many years of Moffat doing, you know, look how clever I am. I'm gonna do the astronaut's wife on Doctor Who. But then after Jody's first season, it's like they started responding to the Twitter critiques. And started backing off of the strong subject matter of the first season, and that hurt the rest of her reign. Yeah. Okay. I can definitely see that. That's a great point. Um, so I mean, I'm, well, I'm going to mention you didn't listen. You didn't listen to any of our previous Doctor stuff for very little of it, but that was our big trick. Uh, Whitaker wasn't yeah. that she's a bad doctor. I think she was a great fascinator. Even brought it up, like I saw in some of the other stuff that she did. And she's a brilliant actress, but at the same time, the writing just wasn't there for her to do, you yeah. know, anything basically. Yeah, I'd be interested like to watch that again. I... Oh, it, it seemed like after Jody's first season, you know, with the full force and fury of Twitter going, "Oh, it's so woke!" All of a sudden, it's like. Did you miss the entire previous Russell T. Davies era? You know, did you miss the third doctor criticizing military intelligence? It's always been there. 
It's you know yeah. kind of like Donna said in uh, Wild Blue Yonder. You know, it's never far below the surface. But yeah. oh yeah, then, paying yeah. attention to that criticism and responding to it—that's where they go wrong. But the production cycle now—they're already shooting. Um, God was shooting his second season right now as we record this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So his whole season fourteen. Yeah, he's already got. So yeah. Yeah, they're okay, not going to have here... time to turn the ship, and I kind of like that. Yeah, yep, I definitely agree with that. Because you're right, I think they did try to do that too much after the initial backlash to her stuff, and that really kind of sucked for her. But um, I mean, honestly, that's also that... the case with like a lot of stuff where you go like, you know, the obvious, you know, example that jumps to mind is whatever Lucas did after. Phantom Menace, where yeah. he changed everything based on fans' reaction. It's like, well, yeah, but now, like, okay, prequels are, especially after the sequels, prequels are kind of okay, well received to some degree, but it's still wonder what it would be like if he actually got to shoot them the way he wanted to. So, like, whenever you yeah, jump on, like, whenever you try to go off of critique, especially for, you know, keyboard warriors, it's like, you know, it's never going to end well. <laughs> um, one other question I had before we go further with the plot, and this is just because, uh, you know, Miloš, this is more for you and I, I think, because I'm trying to figure out, like, how we're going to address this within the show when we get back to doing these. Um, are we calling this season, this season that's supposed to start in May, are we just going to call it 14? Even though Disney Plus wants you to call it one, I think it's stupid. I, it's fourteen. Yeah, Disney I get what Plus can call it whatever he wants to. I don't care. I get, I get why they're doing it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, unless you hard reboot the entire thing, it's season fourteen of the Modern Show. Whatever. <laughs> um, so that's what. Can we're I tell play. you that? Going into the David Tennant specials, all of this talk that they were going to call it season one scared the hell out of me because, you know, I started analyzing all of these data points that we knew coming up, and I really tried to stray spoiler-free on stuff. Yeah. But I started putting together this theory. It's like, oh, we're going to meet the toy maker. We know we're going to meet the toy maker. You know, what if the first Doctor never got away from the toy maker and everything from Trouton through Jody didn't actually happen. It's all been a mind game, I and I did not want that. that to happen. Yeah, and I remember you saying that before, and I was like, no, please no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, because it, that just seemed like one of those, it seemed like the kind of thinking that you would get out of the company that said, we're going to shunt all of this beloved Star Wars fiction over into Legends. It seemed like that kind of thinking, and I was going, oh, no. Please don't do yeah. that. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, okay, so the Doctor and Ruby are on the goblin ship, and they um, they get sort of thrown into like a essentially like a you know they just get shunted off to like some side room where they're not going to do anything, and uh, then we get the musical number, which I or not yeah we get the musical number, which um, I quite enjoyed as a musical theater kid, and having done. Four years of choir in high school and this, that, and the other thing. Um, Milo, you don't know how much you love musicals. 
Yeah, your brother's not a huge fan of that sort of thing. I wasn't sure what your opinion was. I, oh, I like him. Quite cute. I like him. Done well. I'm I'm yeah. okay with musicals. Yeah. Uh, and you had said I want I wanted to build off something that you had said earlier. Uh, your whole thing is like you think that, and this is completely you know I think a lot of people will say this that it's probably not fair to judge this after one episode, but. Well, uh, oh, yeah, you had course. mentioned that you had mentioned that you were you hope it doesn't take gut with that long to find what his version of the doctor is and you know you could be right i think there's still probably some ground to be taken there but i kind of wonder at least for me from what i read of the character to this point i kind of wonder if he's already found it in the sense of i noticed all the things where he seemed to be just like completely blown away by like new scientific ideas and stuff and like i kind of wonder if that's gonna be what his thing is like everything he goes and does is gonna be like what's the new thing i i'm discovering here that is gonna like make me really excited to do this like he freaks out about the the coincidence stuff and he's like you know the language of of what people consider to be dumb luck and what it actually means um and he just i was kind of taken aback by, in a good way, but, like, taken aback by, like, how much he seemed to latch onto that. Um, and, and uh, I really... advances, you got the glove, you got the different yeah. screwdriver. His son exchanged yep. from the, the Giggle episode. Because he had one in the Giggle, yeah, the and now it's different. The screwdriver looks like a remote. I was not impressed. Um... But that's just me. Uh, but I did like the whole like when they were when they were trying to figure out how to get out of the the room they were trapped in, and he's like obsessing over the ropes and shit. And he was like, "Oh, well, this is just how a thing like this would would conduct power. It's just ropes and pulleys and crap. And if I can figure out how to do this, then we'll get out of here." Um, yep. And then you have the whole the whole musical bit, which I thought was quite fun. I didn't know that he had any stage experience i'm guessing he probably does um, probably and it certainly worked certainly worked there and then they get off the goblin ship they take the baby thankfully we don't have to deal with a baby being eaten by uh, a bunch of goblins and stuff um although i question how how that many goblins would have gotten sustenance off a baby that size but we we don't have to think about that sort of cannibalism all that much i guess um so they go back to the apartment. <laughs> um, we go back to the apartment, and this is where I kind of started to get a little confused by some of the plot stuff. Like they they go back to the apartment, they run into the foster mom again, and the grandmother's there. And the the grandmother was kind of a funny running joke in that she just. She's like bedridden and she just constantly wants somebody to get her a cup of tea and they just, you know, they're all busy and it just sort of doesn't happen for a while. And every time they cut back to her, she's just like, am I going to die before I get this cup of tea from somebody? Like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> so they start talking about, you know, there's a picture left behind of one of the goblins picking up the baby. So the foster mom is like, what is this? Where did this come from? And doctor kind of has to play it off like it's just a toy that we took a picture of and and got and she was just like this kid's too young for toys what are you doing um you know uh so then they start talking about 
more stuff about coincidence comes up, and I, I guess the thing I missed from this was like the more coincidental stuff just kind of happens around them, the more ability the goblins have to interfere in what they're doing. Is that what I? Is that how I'm supposed to read that? Um. Yeah. That's kind of what I. Just came, got it. Yeah. 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 I I get. Watching it twice, I still didn't 100% understand that. So I was just like, okay, I, I guess that's what we're going to call it. But um, so then... Uh, I mean, it kind of has the Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary in the mirror vibe to it. Like, you say coincidence right. long enough, you know. Right. So um, then the the goblin ship leaves the atmosphere and leaves a crack in the in their... A giant crack in the in the ceiling of their apartment, um, and the the foster mom's kind of bitching like, "How am I going to get this fixed on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever?" And I just kind of went, and obviously the show's not going to do this, but I just kind of went, "You could just call a unit, I guess. Like they'll take care of it for you." Well, uh, you won't you even have to call it. The unit's going to show up, anyways. True. Um, then at one point during the during the run about coincidental stuff uh ruby just kind of disappears and no one notices right away and uh doctor suddenly realizes she's not there and then um here's the one the one thing where i kind of and you know maybe this is i've just seen too many science fiction things and too many things involving time travel like there's this period where she disappears and he figures out that the goblins went back to her childhood and found her as a baby and took her instead of the the uh, the other infant. Wouldn't that have happened? Like the second that happens, wouldn't you have gotten the the parallel world where the foster mothers never had her, which is where we end up. Like there's this two or three minutes where like they all still remember her, and he just kind of goes like, "Wait, this isn't right." Uh, but I was just kind of hung up on like, "But wait, shouldn't that have happened immediately? Like why?" <laughs> Because he leaves the room and then goes back. If I'm wrong, if I'm not wrong, uh, I believe it's established in the Fuhu universe that as long as the doctor is there, the time actually remains as is. Once he actually leaves, then it's kind of reset to what it's supposed to be. So him being okay, there is so what's preventing it from reverting immediately to the whole world where Ruby was never adopted or into okay, so, you know foster care the Sundays, right? So then he leaves and and comes back, and then that's how you suddenly see the uh, yeah the version where she's never he left. Yeah, then because I think that that happened before. Could be wrong. Could be mixing my Spotify, yeah. but I believe that's something that was established. As long as the doctor and Tars are actually there, it's not gonna. Yeah, change when once he leaves, something they change. Yeah, it's but as long as yeah. it's there, the whole you know. And I really like that at that point, uh, Ruby kind of becomes the focus of the episode because usually with the first episode with new companions, that's usually what they do, at least the ones I've seen. Um, and I did like the whole interaction he has with the foster mother after she's gone because she doesn't remember ever having her and uh they make a point earlier on that she's fostered like 33 children and 
Um, I think what you're supposed to get out of that is the the experience of raising Ruby made her want to continue to do that because in this alternate world that he's now seeing, like she did have like a ton of photographs on her refrigerator of like every kid that she had fostered at some point. Whereas this new world they're in, like she doesn't have that and she doesn't seem to care. She's like bothered by the fact that they dropped this kid off with her on like Christmas day. And she's like, oh, I was just finally going to get some time away from my asshole mother for a couple of hours, and now I can't do that. Um, so I think he's really upset by what this has done, and he just goes, oh, well, now I have to go back and figure out where they took her from and and all this. So he go- he ends up going back to the... I did I did think, though, that this... And I know a lot of times in these episodes where they're where they introduce new stuff, like the the ins and outs of that aren't that important usually, but I kind of thought this whole thing was a little abrupt. Like he goes back to the, back to the thing at the beginning where she's being dropped off at the church. And all he has to do is like, he gets up to the, the goblin ship is over the church. He goes up to the ladder, which is hanging down off the ship and just turns up the glove thing so that it makes him really heavy, which they established he could also do with those. Um, so he pulls down the whole goblin ship onto the spire of the church, which just impales the lead fat job of the Huttish goblin. And then he's able to get her, get the baby version of her out of it. Um, and make sure that she gets adopted and, or picked up by the, by the church members in the way she's supposed to. I just kind of thought it was, you know, I thought it might be a little more difficult than that. Um, but I guess it's not really that important to the larger point. <laughs> established in the episode, everything that happened afterwards, solid, like, you know, he did explain with the gloves that they can, you know, he can reverse them to where he's heavy. So it's like, yeah, like you, you got to stop him, might as well just pull him down. It's done easy, so yeah, I mean, I, exactly what I would do. So, yeah, I, I, that played perfect. The thing with that thing for me see. was the pause that he does because when he gets out of the TARDIS, he has the whole left and right section because if he goes left, goes to the church. But if he goes right, the mother is still there. So you technically find out who left Ruby at the church. That's going to come back. Uh, oh, yeah. But we'll talk about that too. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. For sure. I'm actually, I'm actually curious, Earl. When we get to that point, given that you have more experience with this show than either of us does, um, if you have any like long-standing theories about who, you know, some older character or something, who that the mother or whoever the person that dropped her off at the church could actually be, that we're unaware of, I'm actually quite interested what you might think of that. Um, so yeah, he. He makes sure that she gets adopted, then he goes back to back to the present, and uh she's back there and rings normal again and um he and there are some small things that I didn't really mention, but like he starts to realize that he might not be exactly normal when he mentions when they're in the goblin ship, he mentions spending a summer with Harry Houdini or whatever and um so one he leaves after making sure that she's in one piece, he leaves and he's about to go get in the TARDIS again. And her weird neighbor goes like, what are you doing? Um, she has like a elderly neighbor who's just kind of 
weird through the entire show. Um, and I think that'll come back too, but I could be wrong. Uh, Actually, this will go back. Because uh, uh, the, 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 the lady playing her, the Anita Dobson character, uh, she yeah. played uh, uh character in the audio series Doctor Who, the eighth Doctor Adventure. Folks, see, I've listened to some of that stuff, but not any of the McGann stuff, so I guess I wouldn't know that. Um, yeah, okay, so he uh, was actually, she actually played that's why the whole, whole cabin using a thought is before in the end kind of makes sense because she would have okay. known yeah, what see, it is I, based off that, but. Even though she did play a from character in the audio drama that she does here, but yeah, 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 um, yeah. So he's gonna leave because he thinks you know maybe he's the reason she has all this bad luck or whatever. And I think so. He goes to do that, and then she's Ruby's talking to the foster mom, and she suddenly realizes maybe develops an idea that he might be something special, and she goes charging out to where the TARDIS is and. She opens the door and kind of sees the inside and then uh, kind of like freaks out that it's obviously bigger on the inside than the outside. She kind of walks around it a little bit and then um, does he actually come out or she? No, she just goes in. She just commits to going in and he's sta he's standing up towards the top. And uh, she kind of figures he, out, out, like, you know, from everything that he said, she's like, hey, he's Houdini and he's been to this stuff and that stuff. And then he's, she's like, yeah. and he can travel through time. And she kind of runs after him. And then the old lady is like, where is she? And she's like, mm -hmm, pointing at Stardis. Yeah. So, yeah, we get the, the last line of the, the episode. She She's basically like, who are you? And he just goes, I'm the doctor. And then we get the, the ad for this continuing in sometime in 24. I think it's supposed to be like May, maybe. Um, we'll see what that holds to. So, just after running through that plot and far longer than it should have taken, let's just go through general thoughts with the episode. I'm just gonna say I loved it. It was right. Okay, just exactly what I before we go through all of that. So, I'm, I'm just reading up some stuff. Uh, basically, the character yeah. of Miss Slug breaks the fourth wall, asking whether the viewer has never seen the Tardis before. The actress, Anita Dobson, was on EastEnders, which had a crossover with Doctor Who in 1983. Oh, okay, cool. So That's interesting. There's that. Plus the whole, she played an actor, you know, she played, had a role in uh, an audio series as well. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm... I'm uh... I really enjoyed this, and I'm I'm very optimistic for what we're gonna get in a couple months. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Earl, why don't you go? I thought this was a great start. I'm very glad that we skipped the obligatory amnesia thing from the regeneration this time around. I I think oh, yeah. that I I think it's been done enough that we could get away with not doing it. And, you know, because he kind of to need to arrive fully formed in the giggle for that to work. Yeah. 
but I I thought it was a very good choice to skip it this time around and to keep skipping it. You know, I was kind of worried that they were going to double back to it. No, no, no. same guy we saw in the giggle. No, no, yep. uh, no changes, no amendments. He hasn't forgotten anything or had some sudden existential crisis. And the thing I'm really loving about shooting Gatwa's doctor is that we have also kind of laid to rest the whole time war survivor's guilt thing. That yeah. it, oh, it was very handy giving the character an ongoing arc when the show came back. But I think the runway had run out from underneath that plot element and it needed to be put to rest. So it, it's kind of interesting that Russell T. Davies was the writer who brought that to the show, and then the writer who took it out of the show. He, he decided, okay, it, it's been done. Plenty. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. I'm not sure what else they possibly could have done with any of that by now. I mean, I realize, too, looking back at this, like, I'm on my sixth incarnation of the Doctor by now. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I started with Eccleston, I'm up to sixth doctor at this point so like what else could they have conceivably done um one other question i wanted to ask you guys is where are we on uh millie gibson right now i mean i think there are some kind of and maybe it's all superficial like appearance similarity but you know there are some some similarities to rose tyler i kind of wonder if if Davies looked at this and went if it ain't broke you know don't mess with it too much, but I do think she's going to end up being different from Rose. Like, I don't think she's gonna, he's going to do that whole thing again, but I really enjoyed her, and I'm curious to see what they, what he comes up with for that. Um, I would like to see, and I don't know, this is something, Milos, you and I have talked about for years with this show. I would love to see a doctor make it past the three-year the three-year limit. Um, you know, I'm and if we get more stuff like this from him, I'm kind of hoping he's the one to do it. Um, so I, mean, I, I, I see reason. I, I mean, we figure talked about this before. You know, the writing, as long as the writing is there, and the Stuti Gatwa, we kind of established. You know, even though you and I didn't see any any of the other stuff that he did, mainly sex education is like he's quality enough actor to. Where, and they didn't get any of the castings wrong so far. Uh, we weren't yeah. of the opinion that they were going to start. So it's like writing is there. Obviously, Davey's back. So it's just about how good he actually steps into those shoes, which seems to be pretty well. You know, with the giggle, he kind of showed even the brief time that he was there that he can carry the role. He proved the point here even more. Again, it's just my personal opinion that I need like just see him and two different scenarios to actually, you know, get a clearer picture. But that doesn't take anything away from his performance here. And uh, Mila yeah. Gibson, I think she's going to be a, I think she's going to be a great companion. So it's like, and, you know, as the show progresses, you got to see, you know, what kind of dynamic of them are going to have. Which, you know, when you bring in a new companion, you got to see, you know, Obviously, as far as I know, they did change her for the second, for the 15th season, so she's still going to be there. 
you know, so yeah. obviously the catcher there works. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Again, I want to see what yeah. they're going to do with, you know, with, with unit and, and the previous companions who now work for the unit and stuff like that. So it's like, honestly, there's a lot of stuff there. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to stay, but kind of after all the signal bad years, you know, it's promising. It, I'm kind of looking forward to what next season brings. And most importantly, there's no more, like, player weights before between seasons. We're going to get a constant yeah. run of Daku, which is something that every fan can go behind us. Yep, Davies has said he wants to get rid of the long breaks and the all that other crap. He wants to go back to a season a year and just not have any of that stuff anymore. Um, one other opinion I wanted to get from you guys, because I'm curious if somebody read this moment differently than I did. I mean, I watched this with my wife. Uh, obviously, she's been a fan of it since she started with Capaldi and has just been going on since then. Um, when he first meets Ruby in the club, she was she had this moment of like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be another one of those companions who wants to get into his pants again. And I didn't read it that way. Like, there might have been like a maybe 30 seconds of that, but I didn't really, I didn't see that and go, uh, yeah, she clearly wants this guy. Um, Honestly, if anything, you know, yeah. could have been read other way around just because the way he actually came on to her could have been perceived as such. But yeah. I, honestly, I didn't see that. Never read it as such, and I don't think it was either written or acted as such. Yeah, and Milos, you know I'm a I'm a hater of that idea. By the time we got to Amy, I was just really sick of that. So, like, if they don't ever do that with them, go go for it. Like, that's just that stuff. Well, I don't think I don't think they're gonna because the way Doctor plays is a lot of like he's intrigued by the you know if you want curiosity is all. So it's like he wouldn't he didn't jump into her because of her looks, but because the clumsiness because that was something that he picked up on that's something that attracted him so he, he yeah. doesn't always see the person he sees stuff that goes on behind and he kind of usually yeah. takes him a little bit to see the person that's standing there which is something i think all doctors have in common in the new series just you know there's never that relationship straight out of that over into it. it's like doctor almost never sees the person outright Takes him a little bit. Yeah. And credit to, he actually had pants, finally. Uh, which, yeah. you know, so. Uh, one other thing I think is interesting. Do we have theories on who the the person that dropped her off at the church as a baby is? Or are we withholding that until we get a little further in? Honestly, at this point, I, I had have a thought. No opinions or thoughts, and I don't want to have any because I don't want to think about it too much until they actually bring it back to where it's ruined, which they're probably going to do yeah. at some point in season 14. I don't think they drag it on for long. Yeah, I mean, I figure she's either some sort of alien or, uh, or the person that dropped her off of the church is actually her years later. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a couple of days since, and I've, those are the only two things I could really come to. 
Um, so is there anything we want to talk about with this? Because I'm sure there's a lot that we could that I have not brought up or that any of us haven't brought up to this point. Um, I'm sure there's more we can get into here. I'm, I'm okay. I'm packing this as, as it goes along. Honestly. Yeah. Yep. Don't know about Earl. If you have any thoughts. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that uh, I, I know that I said earlier that the writing really doesn't differentiate between the 15th Doctor and the 14th Doctor. But I noticed there was a lot of stuff from the Paul McGann movie. Like, you know, the Doctor can just look at you. Oh, this thing is going to happen to you here soon. This is in your future. And that was something that Paul McGann's Doctor did several times in, you know, that one hour of screen time that he had. And so I thought it was fascinating that that is back. And kind of the way that he, you know, very quickly became attached to Ruby and, you know, to the point that it really affected him when he saw that, you know, her mother was not the same woman that she had been, you know, without Ruby. I also felt like that was also very, very Eighth Doctor. And so, you know, if we're if we're not going to grace Paul McGann with more screen time, it's kind of neat to see some of the traits from that Doctor carry forward. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, I, I, guess think, I, I think there was never some mention that. about... I think John read about it or something. I think he brought up at some point that now that Disney... Kind of has a stake into this thing. There's a possibility that we actually get some more screen time with Paul McGann. One of the one of the rumors I've heard for a possible spinoff would be a Paul McGann show. Um, but you know, Davies has said there are going to be spinoffs again, and I'm sure Disney's going to fund those things. So uh, who knows? Uh, I think it's far too early to to. Like it's it's one of those right. things when you see him in the you know prior to War Doctor showing up, and even in the movie, I think for the movie being what it actually is, he was pretty good at it. I honestly have no complaints with him as a doctor. He played it perfectly. And I, John, yeah, I've liked to listen to audio, audio, audio drama stuff. So you know he, that's a yeah. role that obviously once still okay. Maybe then probably do it fast. So honestly, yeah. I, I'm okay yeah. with if one if he gets a spin-off show, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I think it'll be a couple of years probably before we see any of that, um, unless they're developing. I stuff will say now. if he does get it, I just want a good showrunner. I don't want it to be uh, a Disney touching everything that, and then. He kind of falling apart. Uh, I, like, as long as he has a good showrunner, I'll like be okay with that. I feel like if they're going to do any of that stuff, Davies is probably going to stay in front of it. Because um, I'm guessing he also wouldn't want the thing to get away from him at all. Um, but we'll also see how long he wants to do this for. Um, yeah, yeah, a great so pitch I think... for a spinoff. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's kind of like... It, Great spinoff idea, and, and I think the seeds were planted here. Kind of like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Except it's goblins going around killing reality show 
people or or preparing to, <laughs> like they did with Davina McCall. You, you know, oh, just, yeah. just do some, you know, do the masked singer or something, and all of a sudden, goblins everywhere. Oh, that would be funny. I I would be down for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, even in the, the specials, there are a bunch of stuff. Like, you could do Donna as a unit employee for, like, four hours a year. I'd watch that. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, yeah. I think one, one thing that we kind of agree on probably, is the fact that we don't, probably won't see a, a Donna in the David show anytime soon, just because whatever they do with that, any sort of screen time they give to that would take away from whatever they're doing shooting Godwell. Well, I feel like, and Earl, I'm curious what your thought is. I mean, Milos and I have kind of already talked about this, but um, I feel like part of the reason why they left Tennant around and he wasn't just, he didn't just disappear after the regeneration thing, I would not be surprised if, like, Disney's going to, back up the truck to them money-wise every couple of years and be like, yeah, just do like a movie with them or something every couple of years and we'll just put it on Disney Plus and that's cool. Um, well, I just read something the other day that they're, um, apparently they are, and this kind of goes into a whole different thing that Disney has its fingers in. They've had a streaming show to bring back uh, Daredevil in the works. Oh, that's, and, yeah, that's been going on for years. And they, yeah. they started production on it and then the strike hit. And then they had time to sit and look at it and pick it apart while everyone was on the picket lines and realized, Oh, we, we really don't like this at all. So apparently they're just restarting from scratch on it. And one of the things they are apparently looking at doing is having David Tennant back as the purple man from Jessica Jones. And it's so great. Oh my god, yeah. please do that. <laughs> so I you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be keeping him busy, but probably too busy to come back and do Doctor Who. And I'm okay with that. I, I was kind of surprised that there was a split second in the trailer. Have you watched the trailer for the new season yet? Yes. He okay. doesn't watch there's trailers a... generally, but Okay. There's a split second know. in the trailer where you see um Donna's daughter, Rose, in Unit HQ, oh. getting getting a big hug from mm. the 15th Doctor. And it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. I mean, does she, you know, hang out at the house with David Tennant, and then, you know, she goes and works a shift at Unit, and they're shooting? How does this work? How many Doctors do you want to see in one day? Yeah, it's true. It's a good question. Uh... Yeah, so I think we're gonna have to wait until May for this to come back. I think that's when it's supposed. To, I mean, I haven't seen a. I've seen some places reporting May, but who knows? Could be that the post production takes longer than that. Um, and yeah, May Earl, is that's actually what I've been new. Yeah, that's actually new information that the his second. That's new information for me that his second season is filming right now. That's good to hear, though. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed, and I hope that it continues to cruise along right at this level or better for a while. Um, you know, the last, between the tenant specials and this, I've been a very happy fan of this show for the last month or so, because, I mean, the a lot of the Chibnall stuff just started to come off like Stockholm Syndrome at a, po at a point. I was just like, can this just be over, please? <laughs> um, 
and that's not a disservice to Whitaker or whatever. I really liked what she did in general, but I just a lot of it just wasn't there for me. But uh, yeah, I'm really glad we were able to do this tonight. Um, Earl, you're welcome anytime, by the way. If there's ever anything you hear us talking about on our Discord that you're interested in joining us for, just let me know. And um, we're going to get back to... Or if you want to, if you feel like you want to do cover something, we kind of do a wide range of stuff here. So it's like, if you feel like you want to talk yeah, we, about a certain topic, we do all kinds just of uh, let John know. Yeah. And we probably, we can find a crew for pretty much anything. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything you want to do that's not covered by the whole mission log thing, we're just kind of a general pop culture deal so anything you're interested in let me know we can probably find somebody for it oh yeah yeah well thank you guys for having me and you know i'd be happy to come back sometime yeah how busy i am it kind of becomes a how a function of how busy i am with stuff and oh, talk you know, about the, um talk about the uh the truck talks thing uh oh yeah so that's when does this show drop I, mean, I was going to put out tonight. We just, okay. I generally just put Usually, when, when it's it. new stuff, when it's new stuff, you generally just drop it when we do it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, Trek Talks 3 is happening on Saturday the 13th, starting at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, running to about 6 p.m. Pacific. It's about eight solid hours, and it is a telethon with a ton of creatives from the Star Trek universe for eight hours, and it all benefits the Hollywood Food Coalition. And we have a number of guests, and I, I would actually have to like log into the Slack and see who's on the approves list to talk about and who we haven't revealed yet. I can't really give you an exclusive there because uh, honestly, I don't that's remember. Funny. But that's we have a we just ton of people from Legacy Trek. We have uh, more people from newer Star Trek series this year than we've had in the past. Because the past couple of years, of course, the event happened in the middle of production of stuff. And so, you know, we could get Anson Mount on and he couldn't say a thing. But it this in this case we've got a lot more participants from Picard. We actually yeah, we actually will have a panel on the third season of Picard. Uh we're going to have an entire panel about the Voyager episode Tuvix. And you know, that's great. That's how you start a riot. So you know, everyone oh, yeah. everyone <laughs> tune into that and you know make some donations to Hollywood Food Coalition. It It's a great cause, and it's just... It's amazing to me, because I get to sit here, very briefly meet all these people. I don't get to talk to any of these people for very long, because it's more like, hey, how you doing? I'm the director. I'm moving you into this Zoom room. Stand by. Yeah. That's, and I'm you know, getting out of the way. But, <laughs> yeah, because I'm not no, the host no, of the show. I think I... Uh... I think I talked to Billingsley for about 30 seconds at Paul's, Paul's last party at Vegas. So, I mean, I kind of get what you've, I get what you've, what you go through there. <laughs> um, oh, only 30 seconds. Now, he must have, you know, he must have been powering down for the night because, you well, know. There are a lot, there are a lot of people there that he already knew. And I was just kind of the somebody oh, that he okay. didn't. 
You only got to talk to him yeah. for 30 seconds. I was about to say, I've never heard John yeah. Billingsley talk no, for he... only 30 seconds. Oh, God, no. He was running that room like you wouldn't believe. Uh, Milos, in case you don't know, I don't know how much, you know, American charities make it over there, but uh, Hollywood Food Coalition is, does Billingsley actually run it? Is it his whole, that's his deal, right? I believe it's he a... is a past member of the board, but he is very active in publicizing it as a cause. And basically, they they rescue food that would otherwise go to waste. They provide it to people who are either, you know, in a financial position where they can't get, you know, they can't make a run to the grocery store. Uh, they provide food to the homeless and, you know, to other people who are unhoused. And it's so much, so much of the food they provide was going to go to waste anyway. And so they've built this incredible network of contacts, you know, in that geographical area around Los Angeles to source all of this food, rescue it, and actually make sure it makes it to someone's stomach. It's a, it's a great cause. Uh, there should be something like that everywhere because I think yeah, especially oh, yeah, I the agree. salvaging of food wastage, you know, you know, what would be food wastage, that should be happening everywhere. Why is that not happening everywhere? Yeah. Do you have like a link to a site we can refer people to for this? For uh, yes, for the track thing, and you want well, do you want to just well mention it here? And then also, if you want to drop it in the our Discord chat, I can stick it in the episode bio thing as well. Yeah, the the site is trektalks.net, and we uh. It's being presented this year, as always, by uh, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, by Roddenberry Podcasts, and this year by TrekMovie.com. They are also pitching oh, nice. on. That's been a nice. it's been a huge help. I mean, all, all of these people have a much bigger Rolodex of celebrities than I do because I am not in California. Right, right. Yep. So yeah, we wanted. To, I knew that was coming up, and I wanted to give you some some room to speak about that, just in case anybody in our, you know, probably admittedly small audience was interested in that, and uh, they could join for that. I might actually show up for some of it as well, um, depending on what we got going on that day. But uh, Earl, thank you for joining us. This was wonderful, and hopefully we'll have a chance to do this again down the road for something. Um, and I'll get this up and posted shortly um so thank you everyone for joining us we will be doing our uh top 10 uh movies of 2023 on we'll be recording that on thursday i'll probably get that out by friday that'll be i think that's supposed to be you and me milos josh and brendan hopefully justin so we'll have a nice crew for that um and that should be should that's be, basically our first should be a quite quite interesting uh list as well Oh, and Earl, you're actually our first guest for the year of 2024 on our first show of 2024. So, yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, thanks, as We're always, in... for having me on. Absolutely, sir. We're in uh, oh, yeah. year, year four of this. We're not sick of it yet. So let's see how much longer we can do this for, yeah? All right, guys, this was great. Um, I'm going to sign off now, and we'll get this posted. I'll shut the robot off. So hold on. Uh, come on, machine.